The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. We're in a holiday season right now, and I thought it might be useful to reflect on wise speech, since many of us will be with family or at gatherings, perhaps, and this can be an area that's challenging or charged at times. So um, I just thought I would reflect a little bit on it and then open it up. Hopefully, my intention is to have some time for questions so that you you can uh, check in about what might be particularly relevant for you in this area. This is not an easy area to uh, engage with, to be mindful of our speech. You know, there's really, there's, there's, there's being mindful of speech and there's the teaching on wise speech. And I'd like to talk a little bit about both of those. Um, the teaching on wise speech, we could say, is a support to help us be mindful of speech because it, uh, it encourages us to be aware of particular kinds of speech to, to avoid. This is, this is teaching of wise speech, and I'm using wise here um, rather than right, but right speech is kind of the traditional way that's framed in the Noble Eightfold Path. One of the factors of the Noble Eightfold Path is right speech. And if we think about what right means in this definition, it's not, I would, I don't think of right speech here or right in the Noble Eightfold Path, right, right intention, right understanding, right intention, right action, right mindfulness, right speech, right action. I don't think of that right as being right versus, um, right in terms of good or bad, but right in terms of the right direction. So we might, we might, um, um, you know, ask, how do I get from here to here? And somebody will give us some directions for how to go. And if you follow the directions well, you will get to where you're going. And so that's the way in which this, I understand this as right. It, it, it leads us in the direction of less stress, less suffering, less, uh, reactivity moving in the direction of ease and peace in our lives. So that's the way in which it's right. It's right, the right direction. In our um, sitting practice, we cultivate mindfulness of what's happening in our experience. We cultivate the, the, the awareness of body sensations. We cultivate the awareness of what's arising in the here and now. But with speech, we are asked to be aware of something extra, and that's content. A few weeks ago, we talked about being aware of content in our daily lives, but we didn't so much talk about the speech side of it. But that, that's why I think in some ways it's a little more challenging because with content, when we're engaged in content, we um, are in a world uh, that's not 
directly here and now necessarily. You know, we're in our thoughts, we're in our ideas. And yet we can be aware of that. And so this is, this is a piece that's a little bit extra for us to attend to. What is the content of what we are intending to say? What is the content of what somebody is saying to us? So that we then also become aware of how we are in relationship to that content. So we talked about that a couple of weeks ago in terms of engaging in activities in our lives, you know, the content of, of how we go about our lives, that we have to engage with content. In speech, content is a big piece of what is going on, what we want to communicate, what we want to say. So I'm engaged in content here. The content of the talk is wise speech. So there's a, there's, there's the content to be aware of. And then how are we in relationship to that content? And not only that, but what is the, the reason? What is the motivation for wanting to share the content? So this is an important piece in being mindful of speech to be aware, first of all, that we're going to speak. And, um, and, and being aware that we're going to speak, we may be aware before we speak of what we intend to say. And then we can kind of check in, how is it for us to think about saying that? So this is a little bit about, about being mindful with speech. And this is this, uh, like pausing before we speak is one of the key tools to help us out. It's not easy. It's not easy to do, especially in charged situations. But um, if you can pause before you speak, then you may get a little bit of a gap, a little bit of a moment where you can check in, what am I going to say? And what is the motivation for why I'm going to say it? So those pieces can be really helpful in, um, in exploring working with speech. In the, the teachings on why speech, the, the, um, in the Eightfold Path, the Buddha points to not the kind of speech to say, which is what we might think of wise speech. You know, what is wise speech? Wise speech, you know, we might think of it as being an indication or a, a, a encouragement to say certain kinds of things. But the Buddha points out for us in this teaching things to avoid types of speech to avoid, four classes of speech to avoid. And I'm not going to do a detailed um, going into each of these, but just give you a little bit of an overview here. So four kinds of speech to avoid in wise speech. Refraining from false speech. Refraining from harsh speech. Refraining from divisive speech. And refraining from idle chatter. So uh, just a little bit about, about each one. And I think one of the keys here in all four of these is that the, um, the encouragement is to avoid speaking intentionally when we know it's going to be false, divisive, harsh, or idle chatter. So if, if for instance, we say something, um, you know, with a kind intention, but it's received in a way that is um, understood or, or we see that it's been received as harsh, then, you know, that we, we haven't intentionally, like, 
tried to engage in that wrong speech. The, these, these kinds of wrong speech are like intentionally, um, engaging with lying with a speech. The harsh speech is, is speech that's intending to hurt someone. Divisive speech is speech that's intending to divide people. False speech is speech that's intending to, de- to deceive. Idle chatter may be defined slightly differently as speech that um, does not communicate, is not purposeful, let's say. Speech that is not purposeful. Uh, so intentionally not purposeful, essentially. So the, um, these, this, this kind of bringing in intention is, I think it, it, it helps us sometimes to, to, um, understand that these instructions on avoiding certain kinds of speech is, like if I accidentally say something like the other day, I was talking to a friend and we were disagreeing about the coronavirus and she said, coronavirus causes colds. And I said, no, coronavirus doesn't cause colds. And I, I'm wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> you know, I, I looked it up later. And it's like, oh, I was wrong. You know, I wasn't intending to deceive there. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was, it was a, it was a, um, uh, a kind of a, it was, speech that was not, um, I didn't know that I was saying false, I was, didn't know I was saying false speech. In fact, I thought I was saying true speech. So, so, you know, it, we can do that. So, you know, it's like, I'm not, I don't have to beat myself up. I'm not beating myself up about having said that. It's not, I did not lie to my friend. I, I had a mistaken impression that I communicated to my friend. And actually, my friend sent me an email saying, here's some, here's some information about this. So it's like, okay, yeah, I see this. This is, this is, so, so I, I had, I had, you know, said that thing that was not true. But that's essentially, that's something we can learn from. You know, when we end up saying something that it ends up being received, in the case of this false speech, it was, it was false. It was, you know, that, that, that I learned something. You know, I learned, I learned, um, I had had misinformation and I learned something. And um, in terms of harsh speech and divisive speech, if we end up saying something that we learn has had a divisive effect or a harsh effect when that wasn't our intention, there is probably something to learn, you know, something to be curious about. What, what, what happened there? that this thing that I said had that effect. So to not just, you know, brush it aside and say, well, I didn't intend that to happen, you know, so it's not my, it's not my fault that it happened. Um, but instead to, to be curious and to learn from it. You know, what can we learn from when something lands in a different way? Maybe there's something about the other person, about the situation, about, Something that we don't know, for instance, my not knowing about coronavirus being, you know, causing colds, um, you know, that, that there, there might be something, um, for us to, to learn or to understand, to deepen our sense of the situation or the other person. With idle chatter, I want to speak about that for a moment because this often comes up, 
Um, there's a lot of questions that come up about all of these, and I'm, I'm not going to try to get into all of the kind of different, um, uh, what we might call gray areas in all of these. Uh, I want to uh, leave some questions, and if some of those gray areas come up, I'm happy to, to respond. Um, but with idle chatter, um, you know, often, and I was actually just having a conversation with um, a fellow a colleague today talking about, I'm going to be speaking about this tonight. And, uh, and the first thing she said was, I have an issue with the idle chatter one, <laughs> you know, that, that it feels like it's not always idle, you know, and, 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 and I think that this is an important piece around the holidays particularly, you know, we, we, we come in and we end up talking about the weather or, you know, a book we're reading or something that, that may, you know, not necessarily be the most um, deep conversation that we could have. But maybe a deep conversation isn't appropriate with somebody we're meeting for the first time. And it's appropriate to, to make a connection. And so sometimes idle, what seems like it might be idle chatter is serving the purpose to connect us. And so again, looking at the intention, I think is important. You know, why am I, why am I saying this? Why am I having this conversation? Uh, why am I bringing this topic up? You know, it's somebody I don't know. It's like, this feels like a, a, we have some conventions often in, in culture about where, where we can start. You know, maybe it's, a sports or maybe it's weather, you know, wow, isn't the rain great? You know, that like, this is an easy topic for us in California right now, because we don't get rain that often. And, you know, so it's a, it's a place we can connect. And then perhaps the conversation can, we can learn a little bit about each other and uh, it can move into a little bit more um, meaningful conversation. So I don't think that, um, what seems to be idle chatter that we have to avoid it entirely, but it is interesting or useful, I think, to look at or reflect on what is the purpose. You know, if we define idle chatter as being speech that doesn't have any purpose, then um, we can understand that when we're speaking to connect each other, that that is the purpose. It's not about the content. It's about the emotional kind of field that we're creating with, with that, uh, with that content. So two more pieces I want to uh, just mention or bring up and then opening it up for questions or comments. So the Buddha talked about these four kinds of speech to avoid in terms of right speech. And I think, you know, our, our, um, work very much is in in that area of avoiding speech is to to be aware of what we're going to say and then check in you know is the motivation to divide is the motivation to harm i mean sometimes or to to hurt somebody you know it's 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 painful when we see that but that's the value actually of being mindful of that of those kinds of motivations, because we see it doesn't feel good to want to harm, to want to divide, to want to deceive. It doesn't feel good. So, so seeing those motivations, we uh, we may be able to avoid the uh, that kind of speech. 
to stay silent or to change the subject or to um, um, find another way to say what we want to say that has some kindness to it. So that, that piece of being kind brings in another teaching, another way that the Buddha talked about speech, more from a positive side. Um, so the, the right speech instructions are, you know, avoid these kinds of speech. But the, um, another place he talks about speech that's helpful, um, speech that's beneficial, um, and it's got a few different pieces to it. Instead of framing it speech to avoid, he said we should speak speech that is true, that is beneficial or useful, and that is kind, with a heart or mind of kindness. So speaking kind words from a heart of kindness. And then he adds to that, that it should be said at a useful time or at a, a, a helpful time. So the, this, I think the true useful kind uh, is, a, is a really helpful kind of um, mnemonic. Is what I'm going to say true? Is it useful? Is it kind? That, that's a, a great way to... Um, shape, hopefully, what we want to say. The piece about the proper time, um, that's, that's an interesting question. What does it mean? What, what does it mean to say, to speak at the proper time? I think the, 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 the place it's talked about, I'll, I'll read this little section. Um, In the case of words that the Buddha knows to be factual, true, beneficial, but disagreeable, unendearing and disagreeable, he has a sense of the proper time for saying them. So this is speaking about himself. He's speaking about himself. This is how he kind of decides when to say things. So in the case of, in the case of words that I know the Buddha knows to be factual, true, beneficial, but unendearing and disagreeable. He has a sense of the proper time to say them. And in the case of words that the Buddha knows to be factual, true, beneficial, and endearing and agreeable, he knows he has a sense of the proper time to say them. So the, the, in, the, in the other parts of the sutta, uh, if, if it's not factual, if it's not true, if it's not beneficial, he says, I don't say them. But if it's true, it's factual, it's beneficial, he has a sense of when, it, when it's useful to say them. And I think it, what, what this might mean is, when will it be able to be heard? You know, when, when can somebody hear what I have to say? If this, for instance, with the disagreeable information, you know, something that is true, that's beneficial, that, that could be useful for this person to know, if they're not in a state of mind to be able to hear something that's hard to hear, 
probably not the time to say it. And on the other side, if it is something that they want to hear, uh, you know, I think that this, this may be, um, um, the Buddha knows when they might be able to hear it without puffing themselves up about it. You know, it's true, it's useful, it's kind, it's agreeable. You know, the, you know, you, you have, so the Buddha might be, you know, praising somebody. And, and in fact, the Buddha talks about praise and blame at times and says the Buddha speaks in praise of what is where praise is called for. The Buddha speaks in dispraise where dispraise is called for. And so when there is praise, I think the, 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 uh, the proper time is a time when perhaps that person might not um, be inclined to uh, have pride or to identify or to um, use that information in an unskillful way. So for us in, in um, speaking, these questions of, is it true? Is it useful? Is it kind? Is it a good time to speak about this topic? So for myself, I think, um, unless somebody else brought up politics in a holiday holiday gathering, I probably wouldn't bring up the topic. I just would think, okay, this is not the time for this, this conversation. You know, so just some general, like, uh, you know, basic, uh, things that feel helpful to avoid in certain situations. So these basic guidelines, is it true? Is it useful? Is it kind? Avoiding false speech, harsh speech, divisive speech, idle chatter. Then the last piece that I'll say before opening it to some comments or questions is that one of my teachers, Saira Utejaniya, um, talked about at, at a time before he ordained, before he became a monk, that he decided to... Um, to include these three extra um, speech encouragements from the wise speech um, section of the teaching as additional precepts to follow. In the, in the Buddhist teaching, we have five lay precepts which are uh, five guidelines to support us in not harming. And I think that these guidelines around wise speech, also the main intention behind these guidelines on avoiding the false speech, harmful speech, harsh speech, divisive speech, and idle chatter, the intention, the primary intention is to not add harm, to create a, a, a kind of an environment of harmlessness. And so the, the five precepts are guidelines that help us to avoid harm in our activities, refraining from taking life, refraining from taking what's not given, refraining from creating harm through um, our sexual energy, refraining from false speech, and refraining from intoxicants that lead to heedlessness. And so the, the false speech one is in there in the, in the precepts. And so Saira Utejaniya said he decided to add to those five precepts that he was following in his daily life, the three additional 
precepts about speech or three additional he he created them as additional precepts about speech so that he would take the precept to refrain from as a training rule you know i undertake the training to refrain from false speech i undertake the training to refrain from harsh speech i undertake the training to refrain from divisive speech and i undertake the training to refrain from idle chatter and he said when i'll actually read this to you one of the practices i did when i was a layman was keeping the five usual precepts plus an extension of the speech precept. I tried not only not to lie, but also to uh, also undertook to abstain from harsh speech, from divisive speech, and from idle talk. I soon found out that I needed a lot of mindfulness to keep all those speech precepts, and that's when my practice really started zooming. So he found that it was really helpful for his mindfulness in daily life to add those as precepts. Now I want to speak a little bit about what it means to have them as precepts, because when we take a precept, I think we, we might think of it as like the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not lie. Um, the way they're framed in the Buddhist tradition is, I undertake the training to refrain from taking life. I undertake the training to refrain from from false speech. And there is um, the intention to follow that training, but the, the way the precepts basically work is almost as mindfulness bells. You know, that if we're getting ready to do something, we're getting ready to kill a, a, an ant in our kitchen, or we're getting ready to say something that's false and we're aware that we're getting ready to say something that it's is false then the the precept can serve as a little bit of a check on us and so it might help us to um refrain from doing that action but at the same time it's not it's not about like um being harsh with ourselves if we find that we have taken taken the step to speak falsely or speak harshly it's more about kind of like that it'll tickle our conscience i think maybe a little bit more it'll tickle our conscience oh i took this precept and i spoke harshly and so the the encouragement when we find that we have um not followed one of the training guidelines that we've taken is to take it again to commit again just to recommit not the instruction is not you know be really hard on yourself tell yourself you're a horrible person and and beat yourself up about it but it's notice that you've done that and take it again just remind yourself this is important to me i want to i want to try that and so i think the speech precepts can serve not only as a support for mindful speech but also for um um, helping us to notice when we have stepped into that terrain of harmful speech. So we have a couple of minutes for, for questions. And, and um, you know, I'm happy actually to stay afterwards again, as I, as I sometimes do. Um, but I also wondered if it might make sense to um, to see, you know, going into this this time, you know, next week to ask you. So what are your questions about 
about working with speech mindfully because I think this is a rich time and a rich conversation. So anybody have any questions for today that you're interested in? Yeah, Charles Lee. Hi, yeah. Um, uh, I guess I have a question of, of when um, when is not speaking, I guess, uh, uh, unwise? I could, you know, you know, if you're in a position of power or privilege and you're witnessing, um, you know, a, you know, somebody, you know, something um, bad happening and, you know, you kind of choose to stay quiet to avoid conflict or something. Um, does the Buddha have anything, does that fit into why speech or is that a different, uh, well, um, I don't, I, I think it, it fits in more in the broader picture of, um, I mean, like for instance, there is one place the Buddha does, does speak about, um, I want to try to remember the language, um, He's talking about speaking in, in praise and blame. So when to tell somebody they're doing well and when to tell somebody this is not okay, basically. So, so speaking in that way. And so I think that this falls into that to some extent is like when to say something. Um, and the Buddhist, the, the, somebody, somebody, um, he was, he was talking to another person there and he said, there's four different ways of, of going about this. You can speak praise where praise is due, but if, but not speak dispraise where dispraise is due, or you could speak uh, dispraise where dispraise is due, but not speak praise where praise is due, or you might not speak praise where praise is due, or dispraise where dispraise is due, or you might speak praise where praise is due, or dispraise where dispraise is due. And and he said, of those four, what seems to be the most valuable to you? The Buddha is asking somebody and that person said, well, it seems to me that somebody who's really wise would not speak dispraise or praise because equanimity is what's valuable and the buddha said no that's not actually what i um i would do myself i would speak praise where praise was due and dispraise where dispraise was due so to speak when there is a reason to speak and again i think he does speak to the will it be heard or but it, even in the case, I think, you know, sometimes things like um, in social justice kind of areas, it may be that seeing something or witnessing an injustice, whether it's, you know, the person who's committing the injustice will be able to hear it or not, it it has value in any case. You know, it has value to uh, to let the person, to let a person um, know that somebody else has seen this this so you know i think that the that you know the timeliness of it it's not just about the timeliness of it i think is a really complex evaluation you know is it the time to say something um and so i think that what you're talking about does come into this part of wise speech but i also think it comes into um just the general teaching on non-harming you know what what is it what like if for instance non-action is not always the least harmful thing to do you know in fact it is a it is a harmful thing to do sometimes non-action is a harmful thing to do and so the the i think that we we need to um, be really 
honest with ourselves about why we choose to do what we do, whether it is action or non-action. If we're not acting out of fear or not acting out of um, um, confusion or, or not acting because we, you know, fear is the one that keeps coming up in my mind because we're afraid something's going to happen if we act, then that's, that's not acting. That's not acting skillfully. And, and yet, you know, there are times when we, we might not have the ability to do that. And we, we, you know, we, we need to, um, um, just revisit, I think, learn again, like I was saying earlier, you know, learn from our mistakes. We need to learn when we have spoken or done something that's caused harm that wasn't intended. We need to learn from that. And I think in the case too, when we find we can't speak, we need to learn from that. What can I, what can I learn so that we don't just, you know, brush it under the rug, but keep learning from, from what, what both our actions and our non-actions. This is non-action is a choice as well. So it's important, I think, to understand the, the motivations be, behind that as well. So I think it's bigger than speech in a way. Your question is bigger than speech. <laughs> 